wonderful weekend. Go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And uh, by God's grace, next week I'll be starting a series in first service because we have completed John. It took us over 70 weeks to go verse by verse through the entire book of John. That is online for you go, to go back and listen to. But I'll be speaking about the church and I'll be talking about a lot of things. This will be one of our main points. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their what? Submit to their what? Authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give a what? In account. Do this that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Amen. So how many parents do I have here today? How many parents want your children to obey your authority so that your, your work as a parent is a joy and not a burden? Amen. How many of you have some responsibility on your job and you at least get to tell one person what to do? Does anybody here have some responsibility and you got to tell at least one person what to do? Okay, how many of you want them to respect your authority? Amen. You, you want them to do that. So brothers and sisters, this time next year, make sure you're there. If you didn't this year, if you weren't ready, get ready. Put it in your calendar. It's very easy to find. Lollapalooza 2024. And understand that Metro Praise International makes that our greatest stand against the enemy and for the glory of God in Chicago. All throughout the year, oftentimes you can count upwards of 10, 15 outreaches happening every week, more than there are days in the week. Why? Because every life group, every home Bible study, some meeting on the same days go into their neighborhood, rain or shine most of the time, and even in the winter, we go out by God's grace every Monday night, every other Friday, going to the high schools when the weather is permitting, going out to Saturdays. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But then once a year, we call forth the whole church. Every life group, every, you know, young adult group. And we say, let us march to downtown. Can you put up one of those videos, brothers, of us marching downtown? And we put the flags, the standards of God's people, one at the front and one at the rear. Amen. And we march down there. And I don't know who decided it this year because we always do different things, but I have, a, I have a sneaky suspicion it was TJ. We didn't try to do all of our complicated chants this year. It was just, Jesus Jesus, Jesus, that's how we march down there every night. Did anybody get bored saying the name of Jesus? No, I love saying the name of Jesus. Just imagine all those rioters that protested down there, all the things that have happened. Did you guys see what happened in New York over the weekend? Over an influencer, he was going to give away a PS5, and then these kids, man, they just devastated their downtown. We, we understand that in Chicago. We've been through those times before. But, oh, when the saints go marching in, there is nothing like that. Hallelujah. When the saints were marching, and as my brother gets it up here for you, for those who missed it and those who saw it and were living in it, man, these are the things of legends. This is what you'll tell your children about. Brothers and sisters, I just want to thank you for being obedient. And once again, if you're not, it's still okay as long as you're not rebellious and sassy about it. Don't get your feelings hurt. Oh, well, he talked about me. No, no, I'm talking about anybody who doesn't listen to me. You still need to listen and be obedient at some point in your life because otherwise you're going to be told by God, what were you doing in that church? Amen? But I love you, and I love my waiters as well. You might say, how is that connected? Well, sometimes my waiters don't listen to me. They bring me the wrong thing. And you know the pastor joke. I've said it here before. I say it to the waiters and, the, you know, people helping me. It's okay if you got it wrong. I'm used to people not listening to me. I'm a pastor. 
Okay, that's what it is to be a pastor. I'm used to people, and I'm also a parent of six kids, and they get away with it every now and then not listening to me, but I get them back in check. Now, here's the thing. It's not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. I'll just be honest with you, man. Saturday was tough. Two nights in a row, Thursday, then Friday, and then you wake up early to go uh, Saturday, which is not too early, but it just felt early because I had to get everybody ready. We had to get the kids ready, and then you got to drive, and, you know, it just felt long. And then when the rain was coming down, how many got just a little bit wet? Anybody get a little? How many got a lot of bit wet? Come on, a lot of bit wet. I was soaking. Somebody said, I think it was Andrew in the back here, uh, the Alvarez. He, he said I needed some wipers for my sunglasses. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be like the, the humble martyr pastor here, but I saw some people getting some ponchos, and that was A-OK. Please do that and take care of yourself and drink your vitamin C. But there was a brother so dear in his heart, he came and, you know, he brought me a poncho. And I said, if there is one Metro praiser out here without a poncho, I will be with them without a poncho. I cannot wear it, my brother. I will suffer with them for Jesus. I wanted it all. I don't know, man. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I wasn't trying to just be a fake martyr, but I just felt so much courage that day. Like I was ready to lay down my life for Jesus. Sometimes they, they mock us and they ridicule us and they say all kinds of evil against us, but they don't know how much we love them and we care about them. Amen? Turn with me to the book of Corinthians where Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Are we uh, getting that up there, brothers and sisters? You guys taking care of that? You guys, can I get an amen if you're doing that in the back? Okay, let me, let me make sure Lauren's back there, and then let's get, uh, let's get Juan to help you guys as well to get that out there. Sorry for pulling that last minute on you, but I think you guys can do it. How many believe they can put it up there for us? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, it's technically at the end of chapter 10. As you see here, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but it's technically coming into 11, so you know, Chapters and verses weren't there in the original. If you're getting confused, you'll know what I mean here. Just start at chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I'm trying to please everyone in every way. So he's trying to do his best. But now watch what he says next. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that many may be what? So that many may be saved. So we're not just trying to be man pleasers, to be just pleasers of man like entertainers. No, we're doing this for the glory of God. Now watch this in the chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I what? Follow the example of Christ. Did you see me out there witnessing and preaching the gospel? Amen. Then I want you to preach the gospel. Now, those of you who didn't, just be reminded of this. Your pastor wants you to preach the gospel. If you can have a yes in your heart to that, then we'll be patient with you as you learn to do that and as you schedule to do that. No condo bondo. Amen? Amen. And then for the rest of us who have done this, please hear my heart. As hype as a mission trip is, as a as a big get-together is, don't forget the consistency of evangelizing. The reason why we do the big get-togethers and the marches and all of those things is so that when you are with your coworker tomorrow and you're at lunch break, you can share the faith of Jesus Christ. Can I share with you one of my pet peeves real quick? No, I don't think they want to hear it. I don't know. Do you really want to hear one of my pet Okay, let's get a little saucy up in here. Okay, let's bring the smoke. You guys ready? There is a Christian worship artist going to malls, getting kicked out, calling it persecution. I call it stupidity. 
Do I not bless him for what he is attempting to do? Absolutely. If you want to do something unto the Lord, I will bless you, my brother, at least it's not unto Islam. But there is a problem here that's going on, and we're not realizing it. Number one, it's not obedience to the Great Commission. The Great Commission isn't going to all the world and sing worship songs. The worship songs are amazing. You have to preach the gospel for it to be a part of the Great Commission. Can I hear an amen? That's why, and just so you don't think I'm always just being saucy or sassy right here, I will affirm to you one who I believe is doing this in an amazing way, Sean Fiette with the Let Us Worship, okay? Can I hear an amen for their ministry? Going to the streets, worshiping and preaching the gospel. Let's give them a taste. Thank you, my brother, of what it was like marching down there. How many remember this? Come on, go ahead and play for them, brother. Thank you. We have any sound for it. Go ahead and start it over. Get us the sound there. I, I, I walked at the front and at the back one time with the flags. Both places I loved. I love seeing everybody following and everybody behind. Yes, yeah, start it over again. Thank you. Oh. How many will have that etched in your mind forever? How many believe that's one of the greatest memories of your life? I mean, I was thinking about my dad growing up in Chicago, and I'm like, did he ever imagine? I know, so funny, we couldn't get it, now we can't get it to stop. Okay, we're good, my brothers, thank you. It's just the way it works with technology. You guys know technology. Yeah, not like it will not stop. Where it wasn't before, we don't know, but now it's here and it won't leave. Okay, but, but, but listen, but listen, I was thinking about my dad growing up in Chicago. He's, you know, 77 years old. Did he ever imagine that he would be marching downtown shouting out the name of Jesus? Okay, did he ever imagine this? Those of you, I say, I'm not a Chicago local. I didn't, I didn't grow, grow here. I flew here. So like, like the Chicago native goes, you know, it says, uh, we didn't, uh, it says, uh, you flew here, we grew here. Anybody remember old Chicago native? Come on, come on. Where is Juan, by the way? Let's get Juan in this service. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I would visit here on trips from Fort Wayne, Indiana to go to Chicago, Sears Tower, see the Cubs play with my Little League team. Like, coming to Chicago was a big deal. We got some Indiana folks now. How many know, like, your neighbors probably listen to you and they're like, oh, you drive to Chicago? Like, they think it's a big deal, right? Because you're not, like, in the Gary part of Indiana. You're, like, in the country part of Indiana, right? And so Indiana's a big deal. Thank you for joining with us, my brothers. Everybody good in the back? Okay, good. I just want you to be here for this because think about this. I flew here, you grew here, but I couldn't imagine if I grew up. How many grew up in Chicago here? Did you ever think you would be marching downtown on the biggest weekend of Chicago's life, you know, that maybe in Taste of Chicago, shouting out the name of Jesus? Did it ever cross your mind? That's a miracle. So anyways, going back to this story. So this worship leader takes people into the malls, sings worship songs, super loud and annoying, and then gets kicked out and calls that persecution. Let me tell you why this is stupidity and why people do not understand this and how this is actually the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. Number one, a mall is private property. Private property. You do not have the right on private property to do or say whatever you want. Now, track with me, those of you who are going like, well, I don't agree with that. Listen, would you be okay if on your front yard, on your private property, 200 people started chanting, Allah Akbar? 
Would you want LGBTQ to be in the mall when you're shopping with your children and to be shouting out their gay agenda? Now, you may say to yourself, they would have gotten away with it and the others. That may be very true. But listen to me, my friends. If you think in the name of Christianity we need to violate people's private rights, get ready for Sharia law because that's what Sharia law is based on. So this is what I tell people. If you're so bold and amazing, I'm going to preach on an airplane. Would you want a Muslim to preach on the airplane? Would you want a Hindu to preach on the airplane? You see, if you don't want it done unto you, don't do it to others. And see, our culture is enamorized by that. Oh, let's all go to the mall. Let's sing our songs, disrupt the private businesses. Then when we get the pink slip that says we can't come back, we're suffering for Jesus. No, suffering for stupidity. You're suffering for stupidity. You want to suffer for Jesus, come sing in front of the abortion clinic on public property and then watch how the world reacts to you as they did with Juan. And he had to go to his court case this past weekend, uh, this week, and we're going to pray for him because that's true persecution. When a woman spits on him and tears down the table, Do you understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? Because he has the right to be in a public space and to preach the gospel. That's why, brothers and sisters, when we go out in front of the abortion clinic and they say, oh, your music does not, uh, uh, your preaching does not have the same sound that it's supposed to, I turn it down. You know why? Because I don't want a Muslim to park right in front of my building and disrupt what we're doing here. Well, let's turn it up louder. Let's not listen to them. Okay, then that means if that's the way you want to live, then that means today that worship leader, everybody think about the nincompoop right here. That means that everybody has to be okay in his church with two or 300 Muslims coming to their atrium and, and singing their Islamic prayers right there. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that in my atrium. You can't, oh, but, you, but you did that in a private property. You did that in a mall. You, can, you say you won't let it happen now in your, in your meeting area? See, what this is is fake virtue signaling. They don't want to go do the work. They don't want to be in front of the abortion clinic and sing it. They don't want to go into the areas of the drugs and sing it. They want to do it in a nice, pristine mall and then call that persecution. Why would you come up? We're going to pray for you. The, the city... Get him a mic, please. This, he'll tell it to you probably better than I am. I can. But the city is going to be pressing charges against this woman. Would you put up the video, too, if you can, find it? Thank you. I want you to see what he's standing for, for righteousness. I'll just, I'll say turn down that one. Yeah, turn down that one for sure. We're going to pray for him. Now, you might say, Joe, the Bible says do not call your brother a fool lest you be guilty of, of hellfire. Listen, this is a rebuke. This is a rebuke to him, and Jesus called the Jews fools in the same book of Matthew. Are you listening to me? I'm not calling him a fool because of my personal offense. I'm calling him a fool because he doesn't know what he's starting. You go to private property and you start causing issues in the name of Jesus. It was like the same thing with QAnon. You guys remember this. We had people even in this church that were more hype on Trump than they were for Jesus. And they're like, no, Trump's still elected. He's still elected. We're going down there. And then they all get their fannies arrested. It's used against us because of storming the Capitol because of what they did downtown. And I'm like, no, no, we need to be as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. So brothers and sisters, don't think to yourself, oh, well, they wanted me to go worship in a mall. Just all of you business owners here, all of you homeowners here, just ask yourself this question. Would I want them to worship on my private property, their false god? Because Satanists should now be able to go to that mall, right? 200 Satanists should be able to go to that mall and start chanting out Beelzebub. Would you guys want that when you're shopping with your kids? No, here she is right here. Pray for her as you see this wickedness.
And then I'm going to have one share what's going on. I mean, that's what we always see, but that you can't do. That's illegal even in our city. And then now watch this right here. This is called assault. That is assault in our city. And Joe B. suffered. Joe B., would you come up as well, even though we know Juan was the one that was assaulted. You were there as well. Technically, you could be on the charge. Oh, Joe B.'s in second. Oh, you're actually here. Thank you. I just caught myself. I was, amen. Would you just tell us in, in your words what's going on from the city taking up the prosecution to when you're going to file a civil suit? Sure. For yes. the last uh, four or five months, this woman has been assaulting us. She flipped our tables, flicks us off, cusses us out. And uh, finally, when she spat on us, we were able to get our second police report on her because the police basically almost side with her when we go out there. Um, and so we got the, finally got the second police report. And that day, after the second police report, the police saw her, arrested her, and then gave us a court date with her. And now, by God's grace, um, there is a, the state's attorney office is filing a suit against her. And I'm not supposed to talk about everything else. Okay, awesome. Father, we ask you now. Oh, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. We're going to pray now. Father, in a world where people are calling persecution the violation of private rights and posting it all over Facebook, acting like they're the martyr Stephen, Lord, I pray for the hidden stories here that is not being publicized, true persecution, to, Lord, have justice. And should it need to be publicized, we trust you, O God. But more importantly, we pray for this woman's salvation. We pray for her repentance. And, O Lord, we pray for the courage of these brothers who stand with Juan and Juan himself and his family to be safe. And if they should have to lay down their lives for them to have courage to stand, oh God. And Lord, we pray for the justice to be served in a nation that has rights and privileges for its people to speak and to peaceably assemble, for these to be established, even if it need be, they go all the way to the Supreme Court, as the lawyer who is representing Juan has already done, the Thomas More Society. We pray you bless them, you empower them, and we pray for your glorious work to be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, brother, because let's just be honest, some people here may not have wanted to come out there because they saw that. And they said, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Maybe they might say, I'm not saved enough yet. <laughs> Somebody's going to the jail and someone's going to the hospital. And I ain't getting locked and I ain't going to the hospital, they might say, right? But our worst fear, and in many ways in American persecution, is what you have faced. Certainly with Nini's Deli and with that. Would you just tell us a little bit of the courage that you have in those moments to help others who may think, that's so scary. I don't even want to attempt to go out there anymore. Yeah, something that I think about a lot is, you know, before you get spat on or before you lose your business or anything like that, like by God's grace we've been able to do, allowed to do by God's grace, yeah. you just, you have to really make the decision before you preach, when everything's peaceful, when you're in your quiet time, right. you make the decision to love God and love people. And you make that choice when there's no one in your face, when you're by yourself, when you're alone with the Lord. And that way, when the time does present itself by God's grace, you're able to remember that it is a blessing. And when people hurt you and, and revile you, the Bible says, and then you've already made the choice of what you're going to do in your private time. That way, in the public space, when it happens, the decision's already made. Mm. And then you answer according to the decision you already made. And then the, the, to put some word on it, the scripture says in Philippians 1.28 that Christ has called us not just to be saved, but to also be persecuted for his glory. Amen. So part of our salvation is to honor God, love people, and then be ready to be persecuted. That's what Paul says. Amen. Let's give it up for our brothers. And Joby was with them. Thank you. You take that with you over there. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, Proverbs 15.22 
Proverbs 15, 22, we pray for wisdom during these times. We don't need to preach on airplanes loud for everyone to hear to violate their private rights. We don't need to preach or sing in malls violating people's private rights. If you say God has called you to do that, I leave that between you and the Lord, but we do not admire or look up to that here or in restaurants and so forth because I wouldn't want a Muslim or a Satanist doing that in my restaurant or in my church, amen? So I would say, brothers and sisters, be as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. So I do have to make a public stand on that. I've been seeing it going on since the COVID time, and now I need to make a public stand because I do not side with that, and I will not back that. But here's what I do stand with Proverbs 15:22. Plans fail for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Today, you have the honor and privileges of hearing from three preachers. You're going to hear first from evangelist Adam Field, then from Pastor Jared Walker of the Dallas Metro Praise Campus, and then at the end, I'll come up to summarize it. So can we give it up for an evangelist, Adam Field. Preach it, man of God. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, brothers. What a privilege it is to be with you all and to worship the Lord and to honor his name. Just turning your Bibles to the book of Song of Solomon. And as you're turning to the book of Song of Solomon, I'm just going to open in prayer and thank the Lord for our time together and for him to bless his word to you. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this house. Lord, we love you, and we worship you, and we bless you. And Lord, we are very grateful that you reached into our lives many years ago, and you brought us to where we're at today. And we honor your name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we pray, Lord, that your anointing will be upon these words, Lord, that we are reading from your holy Bible. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate this truth to our mind, Lord, that you will show us your word. Lord, our knowledge just puffs us up. That's all it does. What we need is the anointing that breaks the yoke. So God, I pray your anointing. So as we read it, it's not just words, but Lord, your Holy Spirit is giving revelation of your word, changing our lives and making us more like you, Jesus. Making us more like you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. You know, Song of Solomon is a very unusual book in the Bible. It's been debated as, for many, as is it, should it even be in the Bible? As I've been reading it lately, I'm seeing just an allegory, you could say a metaphor, of how Solomon falls in love with this, this peasant woman who should not have been attractive to Solomon. We all know Solomon had a lot of issues in his life. He had about 700 wives. Solomon could have chosen any woman that he wanted but in this particular book, when he's writing it, he falls in love with a woman that the Bible says was, she was dark of skin. And in that generation, if you were dark of skin, it meant you were very poor because you worked out in the fields, you worked out in the sun. The lighter the skin of a person, the wealthier you were because you were under the cover, you were in shade. And so Solomon talks about how he falls in love with this, this woman who was 
poor. The Bible says that she would take care of her brother's vineyards and she would leave her own vineyard. She would leave her own vineyard overgrown, but she would put her brother's ahead of her own vineyard. You know, sometimes we can be like that too. We can put other people's needs ahead of our own need. And before we know it, we're taking care of people's situations and being helped to them all while we are in need and help ourselves. It's kind of like when you're on an airplane and you hit turbulence and the pilot says, before you put your oxygen mask on for yourself, make sure you put the oxygen mask on for yourself before you do it for anyone else. You don't want to just put oxygen mask on everyone around you and you yourself suffocate. Get your own one on yourself. That's why Jesus said, you know, loving your neighbor must be done as much as you love yourself. If you don't take care of you, how are you going to be able to take care of anyone else around you? And sometimes we can have a savior complex in our mind where we try to basically replace Jesus in everyone else's lives. And we try to be their savior. This woman had to learn a lot of truth about Solomon, about the king who fell in love with her. The first truth that she had to learn was if Solomon is in love with her, what she thinks and her opinion of herself doesn't really matter. Because she, had, she saw herself. She says, I am dark. I am comely. In that situation, she had to make a decision. Was she going to believe what the king said about her, which is that she is a, a beautiful woman? You are, you are fair, my love. Or is she going to look at herself the way she sees herself and she just lives in her own opinion of herself? This might be hard for an American to hear. I'm from Ireland. But I find in America, people are so opinionated. And I want you to know your opinions really don't matter at all. There's so many people, I don't like that food. I don't care if you don't like that food. I do like that food. Oh, I don't like that color. I don't, did I ask you if I like that color? I don't care. I don't like that car. I never asked you if you liked it. I like it. Shut up. It's like, why, why do you have to share your opinions all the time? Your opinions don't matter unless it's truth. So be quiet. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. You know, that woman in this situation, she had to either listen to what the king said about her or she had to just base her opinions about herself and live in that mindset of I am just from a poor background. I'm just from this zip code. I just drive that vehicle. I just do this job. But the king is saying, no, you are beautiful. You are my bride. I want to be with you. So many Christians need this revelation. When you're in Jesus Christ, you are everything that your king says you are. The world might look at you and judge you based on your skin color. The world might look at you and judge you based on your zip code. The world might look at you and judge you based on the vehicle you drive. The world might look at you and judge you based on your shoes. But to hell with what the world says about you because what heaven says about you is far more important and God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made that Jesus blood was shed for you that your king says you are beautiful my love you are beautiful my love I don't see any spot or wrinkle in you oh no I see a lot of spots and wrinkles in me I see a lot of issues with me. Thank God we don't base our value on what we think of ourselves. 
Thank God I don't base my value on what you think of me. Thank God I don't base my value on any human being's opinion of me. Because your opinions don't matter as much as God's truth matters. God's word says I'm righteous. God's word says I am holy. God's word says I am a son. God's word says he is calling me out to serve him and to follow him. So your opinions don't matter. All that matters is what God is saying. And so this woman, she had a lot of issues in her life. She would look in at herself. She would see so many things wrong with her. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 4 verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 4. This is the beloved speaking to his bride. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats going down from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep which have come up from the washing. Every one of them bears twins and none is barren among them. Your lips are like a scarlet, strand of scarlet, and your mouth is lovely. Your temple behind your veil are like a piece of pomegranate. Your neck is like the tower day built for an army on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns, tw twins of gazelle, which feed among the ladies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of Myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Myrrh and frankincense. Who remembers what was brought to, to Jesus, Joseph and Mary? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, symbolizing death. He's, he's speaking here. There's something of Jesus Christ coming out of the text right here, thinking of his bride, the church of Jesus Christ. He, she, he said, you are fear, my love. There is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon, from the top of... You can see in this text, there's just this desire between the groom calling out his bride, speaking over his bride. I love everything about you. I love all of you. It's so important that you understand this because we in our generation are so about what we can see naturally. We think beauty is based on the face or based on the certain body parts that we have. When was the last time someone walked over to you and said, you have got the most beautiful kidneys I've ever seen? <laughs> wow, what did you do with that liver? Whoa, I love your liver. It's so beautiful. Oh, your pancreas. Did you, you dress that pancreas real nice? Listen to me. You can be handsome or you can be beautiful. But if you've got bad, unhealthy organs, you're going to not live very long. We're all about, well, I look pretty because of what I see in the mirror. doesn't matter what you see in your mirror. What's your brain like? What's your character like? That's got to be what we desire from each other. I'm about your organs, brother and sister. I'm not about what I can see with my eyes. I'm about your character, my brother and sister. I'm not about what I can see with my eyes. This is why Samuel, even as an older prophet... Had to be corrected by God. When Saul, Samuel was like, oh, I know exactly who the king's going to be for Israel next. It's always being the firstborn son. Samuel, shut your mouth. You're being too quick to judge. Oh, just because you're an older man now, you think you got it all together? 
Oh, then you know what's up now because you got some gray hair, Samuel. We're always learning with God. We're never going to graduate from a need for God. And God is always going to humble us. Oh, just wait for the humbling to come. And when that day comes, my brothers, we'll realize how much we need to know God and how much we need to depend on God. This is what happened in this situation. She's being humbled because the king is speaking over her how much he loves her. Turn very quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about the body of Christ. We know collectively the church is the bride of Christ. Amen? But individually, we are the body of Christ. And every person in the body of Christ is as important as any other part of the body of Christ. And I've been to churches where it's all about the guy with the mic. The mic has become an idol for so many pastors and evangelists. They can't preach unless the mic is on. Coward. They can't even live for Jesus unless the mic is on. Sissy. Let me tell you right now, this is not an idol. You don't bow down and worship it. Oh, pulpit. I can only do my ministry when I'm behind you. Oh, pulpit. Oh, pulp. What, what is this? Nothing but an opportunity to raise you up to be who you're called to be. Yet in this generation, the pulpit's being about you raising this up instead of this raising you up. We're here to equip you, not you equipping us. And Paul is speaking to the body of Christ. He is speaking to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says, can the hand say to the body, I have no need of you. Can the eye say to the skull, I have no need of you. I'm paraphrasing a little bit for the sake of time. But let me tell you something, friends. Just because you are an unseen part of the body does not mean that you have less importance. This is very important because you might be a mom taking care of your babies right now. And you might be just less saying to yourself, well, I'm just a mom taking care of babies. Or you might be working behind that sound booth right there. You might be working out in that parking garage out there. You might be the one escorting people into the church. But we've got a word for you. You're as important as anyone else in the house of God. This is very important because the face likes to get all the attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But that face can't be a face if it doesn't have a skull. That skull can't be a skull if it doesn't have a brain. That head can't be a head if it's not attached to a body. Don't think more of yourself than what you actually are. Humble yourself. And when the Holy Spirit gives you revelation of this, you're no longer just saying, well, I'm just the guy working on the keyboard. I'm just the lady taking care of the babies. Don't say that word just unless you are saying it correctly. What do you mean by saying just correctly? What I mean by that is you are justified in Jesus Christ. And anything you do from being justified in Jesus Christ doesn't determine your value. It doesn't determine your significance. I don't care what title you got in front of your name. 
I'd rather serve it in front of mine. Let me tell you something. Our value comes from Jesus and not the title in front of our name. Titles can be idols. I can only be what I am with a title in front of my name. Repent. You are better than a pastor, better than an evangelist. What do you mean by that? You're a son of a father who loves you. And that is a greater title that we can walk around with than any title of man. Better than king, better than doctor, better than anything. I'm a son. You're a daughter. Let's walk with God. Listen to me right now. God is looking at you. He sees the organs of Metro Praise Church. Whoa. When God looks at the body, he doesn't just see the seen parts. He sees the unseen parts. That's why Solomon starts listing out teeth, neck. He goes deep on it. I'm not going to quote a lot of it to you right now. But he just loves the body. He loves the bride so much. He doesn't just list out the parts that he can see. He's listening at the unseen parts. Let me tell you, Paul does the same thing. God sees the unseen parts of Metro Praise. And as valuable as the face is, it's very valuable. You play a very important part at this church. And without you, a part of this church would be hurting. Someone's not here this morning. And there's a part of this church hurting because you decided to watch online and not turn up a church. And God wants you to turn up a church and wants you to function in the body because you're important. There's kitties that need to be held by you, but you won't do it because you think it's lesser than what you're supposed to. Oh, I don't do kids ministry. Who do you think you are? Let me go back there. I'll hold one of those babies. Listen to me. You need to be doing, you need to be doing what God's telling you to be doing, not what corporate American churches tell you what you should be doing. If you can't do what God's calling you to do, and you stand behind this pulpit without God calling you to do it, you're just going to be proud, arrogant, judgmental, cynical, negative, slandering, gossiping, full of yourself. And you'll realize before you get to the end of it, it's like, Lord, I did all of this in my flesh. And it's amazing what churches can do in their flesh. But thanks be to God. We're in a house of God where the Holy Ghost is at work. Souls are getting saved. The church is advancing. The name of Jesus is being preached. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, brother. Can we have a couple chairs brought up here? Oh, we've got it. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. God is good. Let's turn now to Song of Song, chapter 8 and verse 6. I can't say I've been in this book very recently or that I've uh, journaled on it as my brother has. That's, uh, you can ask him about his uh, prayer journals and his journals on the scriptures, his meditations. Many, many uh, wonderful things God has shown him. But this was actually the main text of the first sermon I ever preached a long, long time ago, back in uh, 2009. Song of Song, chapter 8 and verse 6. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. 
For love is as strong as death, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. As I read Song of Song, it can be difficult to discern the poetic aspects of it because sometimes it seems like they're talking about married people stuff. But for the most part, it seems like the, the process of courtship, falling in love, and getting to know the one to whom you will commit yourself to for the rest of your life. And that is truly where Jesus is with us. I know we commonly refer to the church as the bride of Christ, but the consummation has not taken place yet. That's at the end of the book. That's at Revelation. You could say we're in a courtship phase with the Lord right now. The wedding hasn't happened yet. Our, our uh, full uniting with Jesus, body, soul, and spirit has not taken place yet. There is still a separation between us and Him through this mortal frame, through this fallen world of sin. So that has not taken place. But even then, even in this place of courtship, there's many lessons we can learn. How many uh, are married here in this place? And you remember what it was like to be engaged, to be dating your now spouse? You know what Paul said to unmarried folks who were dating and courting in, in the Corinthian church? He said, if you're unmarried, just go on and get married. Because it's better to marry than to burn. Come on, somebody. Because when you are dating, when you're courting, when you're engaged to the one you love and to the one you know you're going to spend your life with, it, it, you get the butterflies in your stomach. You get the va-va-voom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Praise the Lord. My wife, Sue Ellen, and I, she's right there. We, mighty woman of God, we kept it holy through our engagement. Amen. But were we tempted? Was there a fire burning within us? Yes, it was. And in those days, that fire would manifest through sweet kisses. It would manifest through long conversations on the phone where we would fall asleep talking to each other, mostly her. Because we couldn't get enough of each other. The relationship between Jesus and his bride is not a loveless and cold marriage. Come on, somebody. Where the husband and wife, they're both so career-driven. Come on. Come on, women. You got your Hillary Clinton pantsuits on. You're making moves out in the world. I was just talking to a relative of mine. She said that her husband can't be everything for her, and she has to find her fulfillment taking vacations by herself working by herself, achieving things for herself, almost living this life completely divorced from her own husband. She obviously has no biblical concept of marriage, of the husband being the head of the wife as Christ is the church, of the two being inseparable, lovingly devoted to one another. See, when you're married, you're not just roommates, you're soulmates. And when you're in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, God has drawn us together that we're not just co-workers. That's not the arrangement of our relationship. 
Like, or Jesus is my boss. Now, now, we know that we relate to God in many ways. We relate to him as father. We relate to him as friend. We relate to him as king. We relate to him as Lord. But here, as we relate to him as the, the bridegroom, you see, we relate to him as the bridegroom, and he has a, a jealous love for us, a burning love for us, a, a fixation on us. Again, think of that time of of dating, think of that time of engagement with your now spouse and some and my single people. You just pray for that. That day is coming. Amen. You just live holy. Amen. Don't compromise, and God will give you His best. Amen. But think of those days because that is what Song of Songs is. It, we're, we're not trying to be mushy gushy like heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Come on, how many cringe at that? Like, we're not trying to do that and go beyond the scripture to make things all sentimental. Amen? Because I know as a man, I don't like the idea of, like, some of these worship songs sounds like God is ravishing me and subduing me. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I don't know if I can get into some of those songs. A lot of feminine energy in that stuff, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. But, but listen, Song of Song is all about that. I am of the persuasion, and, and many in the, throughout church history believe that this speaks not only of marital love between a man and a woman. When a man loves a woman. Come on. There is something about the way of a man with a maiden. Amen? But it's about Jesus and his church. It's about Jesus and all of us. It's about Jesus and you. That he loves you madly. Obsessed with you. I'm going to read this again and break it down and parse it out just a little bit. Chapter 8 and verse 6 Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. You see, a seal is like a visible representation of ownership. Come on, somebody. You know, in our modern day, we'll get a tattoo, right? It'll say Sarah. Oh, who's Sarah? Oh, that's two baby mamas ago. Come on, somebody. We'll get Pookie's girl on our mid to lower back. Okay, that's a, that's a visible representation of ownership. And when you are in that place of being madly in love. There is no other. That is bay. What is, what is bay? B-A-E. I forgot what that stands for. Before, huh? B-A-E. What is it? Before all, before anyone else. Amen? Okay. So when you are in that phase, no one else matters. Amen? No one else matters. Now in the world, listen, in the world... People will entertain the thought of somebody else coming in to the, into, that, into the equation, of making it a little polyamorous, if you will, of having a side piece, of having, you know, somebody that you go to and maybe you make up and break up and you have these rebound people on the side or you have somebody in your Rolodex or in your, you know, somebody like it's, like it's Martina, but you have the context saved as Martin, okay? Come on. That's how the world does it. Ain't that right, honey? And, and the Lord set my wife free from that because she, that, was her, that was her point of reference. 
That was her point of reference. There was no love, no loyalty, no faithfulness. It was all just people. It was all just people mating and recreating. All right, that's all it was. Just people just having a good time with each other, not being loyal, breaking each other's hearts. And that's that's the world we live in. But when it's a godly relationship, there is no room. There is no tolerance. There is no entertaining for one second the thought of another lover, of somebody else coming in. It would be like, as uh, Pastor Joe often illustrates, if you've been served your mother's home cooking, you know, mama cooks best. Amen. And if you've been served your favorite meal from your mother and you're full, nobody can offer you something else, even if it was something that might be comparatively good. Oh, here's some Chicago style pizza. Here's some tacos. Here's a hot dog. Like, no, I'm full. I'm satisfied. I have no need of this. In fact, you, you offering that to me is kind of awkward and you make me want to throw up. But that's how it is. Everyone who knows us knows we belong to Jesus. We don't entertain the things of this world. He is like a seal on our arm. Revelation talks about the name of the Lord being written upon our foreheads. You know, it's interesting that in the book of Revelation, there's those with the mark of the beast and there are those with the mark of the Lord and there's no in-between. We are owned by Jesus. We are so in love with him. We would not dare entertain another God, entertain another religion, entertain another worldview, or entertain a life of sin that takes us away from him. He says, love, love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. This is speaking of God's strong and jealous love for us. How many know God is a jealous God? Oprah Winfrey is on the record saying that she uh, left the faith of her ancestors, left the faith of her family, the Christian faith, when she heard in church, God is a jealous God. And she said, no God no, no God should be a jealous God. That's a, such a petty thing that people experience. How can a God experience being jealous? God is jealous over what is His. You are His. He bought you with His blood. He purchased you with His blood. You are His. Again, the Song of Song relates to a man and a woman as Christ to the church, as Christ to you and me. And there are many points in the Old Testament where the prophets liken God as a husband, Israel as the wife, but the wife has been unfaithful. There are strong words used to describe this wife and what she's doing, like a prostitute, except instead of receiving payment, she pays her lovers. And God is fiercely jealous for his bride. God is fiercely jealous for you. He will not tolerate, and this is this is a this, this should put the fear of God in us that you don't, you don't be messing around on the Lord, don't be running around on Jesus, y'all. Amen. Don't cheat on Jesus. But it puts a comfort in me. God's gonna zealously guard me. God's gonna zealously protect me. He's not gonna let nobody touch me, cause I am His. I am His boo. Amen. I belong to Jesus, and He belongs to me. In the few moments I have, I want to take it from the courtship 
to the marriage. Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Here is another psalm, uh, this one describing the wedding of the king, presumably Solomon, a king with great splendor, and many Christians have allegorized this and understood this, and it's, and it's not going beyond um, how the Bible is interpreted even by the authors of the New Testament. Many New Testament writers will take an Old Testament passage that doesn't seem to be directly about Jesus and say that's about Jesus. If I'm not mistaken, even the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 45 in reference to Jesus. So, amen, this is about Jesus marrying us. Amen? Okay, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is like the pen of a skillful writer. See, here's the wedding band. Amen. The wedding band is tuning up. They're going to sing the love song. Amen. They're going to sing the song of the first dance between us and Jesus at the wedding supper. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword by your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O oh God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloe and cassia from palaces adorned with ivory. The music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters and kings are among your honored men. At your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people and your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. The city of Tyre will come with a gift. People of wealth will seek your favor. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her, her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her, those brought to be with her. Led with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore the nations will praise you forever. And ever, I want to hand it off to the man of God. It's God. Woo, that is amazing. Brothers and sisters, you have been blessed today. How many already sense the presence of the Lord here, even as he read that? When we do this, we do this with the reverence of God. It may be unique, but I believe we heard from the Lord today to do this triple threat to the devil and what I thought was unique is how we're all put in different places here as speakers. And so when Adam started off, what I said to him, and for second service, Jared's going to be starting off, and we do not know where he's going to go. So I said to Adam, start wherever you go. Just don't tell us, and we'll have to follow. When he went to Song of Solomon, I don't know about you, Jared, but my heart dropped. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't normally preach out of Song of Solomon, so thank you, Adam. That was great. That was a good test for us. 
But then when I noticed he was preaching so passionately, and then he handed it over to Jared, Jared got us erupting in laughter, and I saw looking at Adam, and I'm wondering what Adam is thinking. He's like, how in the world did I go from preaching my guts out to now we're laughing and singing old 70s love songs? But that, but that tied together because what did he talk about? The body of Christ. You see, when Adam was up here, what was he teaching us out of the Song of Solomon is that God sees us differently than how we see us and that we make idols out of these things. And yet God is looking at the pulpit and the ministry titles and saying, that's not what I love. I love you and I love you on the inside. And we're all not the same. And so that's why Jared, when he comes up, he doesn't have to preach like a fiery Italian or a fiery Irishman. He comes up and what does he do? He teaches and he brings us to the depth of the scripture of the Song of Solomon. And he begins to teach us this is about God loving us as his bride. And then he brings us almost to tears as I heard his voice cracking. A psalm that just, we haven't even seen this yet. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. But this is the hope of the wedding day. You notice how I tied them both together. That was my job. How many feel like you're hearing one sermon now? You're hearing what? Don't clap if you don't mean it, but how many are hearing one sermon? I'm hearing one sermon. The sermon that God loves us, not on the surface, but in our hearts. And how does he love us? He loves us like the psalmist said. He loves us like the tattoo says, like the sealing of our heart like that sloppy wet kiss and everything he was saying was grossing them out I'm actually loving that and I'm not homosexual in any way but I was made to be loved by a man because God knows me on the inside God knows my liver and what makes it quiver he knows me on the inside and as much as I'm a warrior and if any dude wants to test it I promise you I'll show you and even if, if I don't win you'll know you were in a fight today okay but listen I want to tell you that you may not always get that because that may not be your personality but this is what I do want you to get is that God has a call on your life to do something greater than your eye has ever seen or ever imagined this is not the end this is just the beginning there's a reason why we're forming the body of Christ and the bride of Christ as our brother Adam was starting us off with. It's because God loves us. And even though we're doing work right now, and even though it's not always easy to be in the ministry, and though people may not always be paying attention to us and seeing us the way, the way we want to be seen, God sees us that way. He loves us. This is what he says about every one of us. He'll make us princes throughout the land. You're going to be made a prince or a princess throughout the land. Heaven is our home as the kingdom of God comes to this new earth that we rule and reign with Christ. Now quickly in closing, go with me to Song of Solomon. Chapter eight, if I may, or chapter five, if I may just now close this out, tying these points together. May God bless the reading of his word. Song of Solomon chapter five. It says in verse 2 about this beautiful bride, to be the bride, to be the one engaged here. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. That's how he sees us. He's in love with us. Now look at what he says. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? This is what she responds back. Here's the lover. He snuck out. He wants to be with her. And then she hears this. And what does she say as a typical woman? I've taken off my clothes. I've taken off my lashes. I've taken off my makeup. 
Must I put it back on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them? Do I have to get back up? Now, you women know you can relate to this. Say a better amen than what you're saying right now. Come on. The lover is there knocking at the door. I love you. I see you for who you are. You are beautiful to me inside and out. I want to make you my princess. And then what does she say back? This lame excuse. I don't have the clothes. I don't have, you know, the the, the time to get my feet and clean them again to get another petty. But now watch this in verse 4. But my beloved, not breaking, not breaking the laws of purity, still behind the door. What does it say? My beloved just thrust his hand through the latch opening of that door. And so she sees the hand of her lover saying, come, come. It's all right. I don't care. It's, I'm not here for your clothes. I'm not here for your external. I'm not here for your ministry. I'm not here for what you can do for me. I'm here to do something with you. I'm here to do something with you. Here's my hand. Don't overthink it. Don't say you're not qualified. Don't say you're not good enough. Don't say it's because you didn't go to Bible college or, or you've had three baby mamas or you have three baby daddies. No, listen. My hand is reaching out to you. And, he, and she says, my heart began to pound for him. I arose to open. So now she finally says, everybody get this. She finally says, I'm going to do it. So she gets up. She arises to open for her beloved. Her hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers flowing with myrrh on the handles of the bolt. I open for my beloved. But my beloved had left. He was gone. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Everyone here from the first time visitor to those who have been coming to the church as long as my wife and I hear this today, his hand will not always be there. The calling will not always be there. These moments that you have right now, brother or sister, they will not always be there. For there will be a time where he will move on. He will go to the next one who says, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing, Lord. If you wonder why someone like me, a white boy from the suburbs, pastor seven and a half years in New Orleans, mostly an African-American community, it's because I believe a lot of the bishops were getting up late to Jesus. But there was somebody in Fort Wayne that grabbed his hand and said, let's go, Jesus. I want to go where you're going. Well, get on down to New New Orleans and son, you've got to tell some African Americans I love them. Well, I don't know how to talk like them. You heard because they bowed it, bowed it. But I'm going to teach you how to communicate. I'm going to teach you how to rap. I'm going to get you in their lives and you're going to touch their hearts. Sometimes I wonder why I ever came to Chicago. There's churches on every corner. I remember preaching here at one of the largest churches in the city, and I went back to my hometown, and I went back to New Orleans, and I sent back every intern on my money by God's grace, and I said, you've got to learn from this church in Chicago. It's so awesome. That's how much I thought about this pastor. But then the Lord said, no, they're not doing evangelism anymore. They're not going out to the streets anymore. Humble Park's been forgotten. I'm calling you from New Orleans to go to Chicago. But but God, there's everybody. No, my hand was out. And they talked about their clothes and their programs and everything. And so I left. But listen, it's not over for them and it's not over for you if you feel like some things have passed you by. Listen to me, brothers or sisters. Listen to what this woman does. My heart, my heart sank at his departure, so I looked for him but did not find him. I called out for him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. Why? Because she wasn't supposed to be out late at night. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. Why you all do me like that? 
And then this is what she shouts out at the end. And that's why Jesus came, because he said, if you seek me, you shall find me. If you knock, the door will be answered. If you ask, you shall find. Jesus answers what this woman has in her heart. She says, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? What will you say to him? Because i got to go back in. I've been beat up. What will you tell him? Tell him, I'm faint with love. Put it in the King James. I am lovesick. Brothers and sisters, today, if you have missed an opportunity with the Lord and now your heart is still pounding within you, I want you to do what this woman did and to call out to Jesus and say, I am sick with love, oh God. I need to experience the calling that you have for my life. I will not let this pass me by. Chapter 5, verse 8 in the King James, please. Would the musicians come? Tell him that I am what? Tell him that I am what? Lovesick. Let us stand together. It's your choice now. It's your choice. Tell him that I'm what? Come on, one more time. Tell him that I'm what? Lovesick. I'm sick with love. Today, Jesus is madly in love with us as the church. But if you're not yet born again, altar workers, would you come, please? You need to become born again to become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. As we get ready to close out this first service, you're more than welcome to stick around for a second because it's going to be just like this. It's going to be amazing, I'll tell you that. It's going to be a whole different sermon. I'm ready for Jared now, I guess, to go to the book of Revelation or something. (laughs) The marks of the beast. I wasn't ready for Song of Solomon, but God was. How many were blessed today by this message? Do you know who you are? Brother Adam, would you stand next to me, please? Because Adam wanted you to know who you were in Christ. If you're not a Christian, in just a few moments, you're a sinner without God, but within Christ, you can be born again. Come see one of these brothers or sisters and receive the salvation that my brother was talking about so you can be included in that body. But then if you are a Christian, but you're lacking your confidence, confide in Latin, the ability to have faith in what God's called you to do. Come up and get prayer as a Christian because chances are you might have missed your time of visitation. You were too busy making excuses while God's hand was at the door saying, come on. And then lastly today, if you're in a a marriage or a relationship that's broken, maybe you feel like no one can love you, you feel unworthy, as Jared was talking about, be reminded today that Jesus' love is a real love. And it's not just us married people, because oftentimes I talk to some of you singles, and you say, oh, it's so easy for you as pastors to tell us how it's nothing but God's love. It's all God. When I see your beautiful wife, I see your beautiful family, I mean, I get it, but you you just don't understand me. Brothers and sisters, I was single for 10 years while every single one of my friends were getting married. I know what it's like to fly out to a city to be a best man and fly back to a lonely old apartment I know what it's like, as my brother was saying, to burn for someone to love me. Sometimes my mom gets a little jelly that I don't call her in the middle of the night anymore because that's what I used to do all the time because I would be lonely. I got to hear a woman's voice. Call up mama. Talk to mama. Seriously. I remember one time my mom came, and I said, Mom, can you just scratch my back? Nobody touches me. I need someone to touch me. Come on. My love language is touch. If you know me, I'm always touching on people. But you may be here today, and you may feel like nobody's touching you. Nobody's loving you. I want you to take the season of your singleness 
as a time to get closer to God than you ever have before. Whether you're a young adult, single mom, single dad, it doesn't matter. I want you to see your singleness to get closer to God because this is real love. And he'll draw you closer to himself than you've ever been. So if you're not saved, get saved. If you are saved, know your place in the body and be confident today. And if you're in a relationship, a a time of singleness, and you're not experiencing that love like you should, let God love on you today. And also someone of that same gender, someone that can respect you and honor you and let you know you're important. Amen? Let's get ready to close out. Father, we thank you for today. As we get ready to do this altar time for those who are compelled to stay, I pray that they come forward, O Lord, those who don't know you, to receive you as their Lord and Savior, to fall in love with you. Lord, for those that already do know you, but they feel out of place, they don't have confidence for them to come and be ministered to. And then lastly, Lord, for those who are going through a single, a season of singleness and they just feel broken, they feel alone, they don't feel like someone cares, let them know, O oh God, that you love them so much and that you will comfort them. You will ease the pain of their emotions and you'll seal them, O oh God, so that should they have to wait for a season to fall back in love with a person, they will be emotionally whole. Father, just like you made people in the Bible, you made them whole. Bless us as we conclude this service and go about our day, Lord, and those who have to go, keep them safe. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless the Lord, saints? As we close out in worship, we're going to dismiss through the side door here at Second Service, folks.